0: welcome 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 this is the distraction pieces podcast episode two hundred and 251 351 let's not forget that other 100 episodes thank you for tuning in i hope you're all well uh huge thanks for all the love that came in for last week's episode with taran egerton um that went absolutely off um he's got some very excitable fans Which is wonderful, and he was just a general legend. And speaking of legends, this week's guest is one of my favorite directors. He's been on my list of people I wanted on the podcast from from day one. I think it's Ben Wheatley. Now Ben, his new film he's directed Rebecca on Netflix, which is fantastic. We talk about that a lot, but we go into everything because he's made some of my favorite films from Kill List to Sightseers, High Rise, Free Fire, loads of good stuff. Uh, If this is your first time tuning in, you might want to go back and check out a few people that we talk about in this episode, the Neil Maskell episode. Um, Michael Smiley, of course we talk about Smiley. Yeah, there's loads loads of good previous guests. And next week's guest is more directors. I've got the Blaine brothers on next week who directed a film I love called... Nina Forever but also directed a new series all episodes out now on BBC iPlayer called Out of Her Mind which I'm in it's from S- Sarah Pasco I'm in episode four I think it is I'm, I'm even on the little th- thumbnail on iPlayer that was alright Buzz so yeah check out Out of Her Mind now and then you'll hear from the the Blame brothers next week if you're a fan of just directors in general check out the episodes with Spike Lee Boots Riley Who else have I had on? Adam McKay, Paul Fague, Mangold. I've had loads of really good, amazing directors on. So there's loads to go and check out. And it's great to add Ben Wheatley to to, to, to that list. So this is episode 351 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Ben Wheatley. Hello, sir. How's it going, Ben? It's good, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'll I'll introduce. I'm I'm joined uh, today by Ben Wheatley. These kind of pandemic Zoom press conferences are interesting, aren't they? Do you prefer it, or or more or less?
1: I think it's brilliant. I don't have to leave my house, which is ace. Yeah,
0: it's quite ideal, right?
1: Yeah, you know, I think there's lots of um, aspects of filmmaking that can definitely be improved by Zoom. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Um, It's a weird one because most of your films previously have come out in cinemas and you'll have a physical press junket around them. Has it made it feel any less real, I guess? It's on Netflix and it's, yeah, it's over Zoom.
1: (laughs) Well, I think if you look at like Field in England and Colin Bursted were kind of yeah. not dissimilar to this kind of thing where they were yeah. they were like split like I think Colin Bursted was just like a little tour of, of cinema tour and then it was on telly and then the Cunningham um, was simultaneous so it isn't actually that different to be honest it means they don't drag me out to America to do a load of press which is a blessed relief you know so I don't have to go fly which which what usually happens is you fly for to to L A like eleven hours and then you go in a hotel and then they do phoneers. So you yeah. could've really, I could have done this from <laughs> home, but, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, are you really s- saving that much on long-distance calls by fl- flying me here to have them local?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, so there, there's a bit of that goes <laughs> on, which is it's very hard to understand why they do that, and, and, and is despicable in terms of the destruction of the rainforest just to do a few uh, phone calls, you know.
0: Yeah. But how are you finding, I, I guess, the current situation in in general for film and t v and stuff like that in particular, it does seem to put everything on hold or in limbo or question marks over it. Are you happy to be kind of at the end of a project rather than in the middle of or starting or
1: well i during the first week of lockdown, I had a bit of a freak out and then i and then I thought oh you know i I'll, I'll keep myself busy by writing so i wrote a I wrote two screenplays I think during the first couple right. of months. And then we made one of them in August to so shot oh, wow. one at the bottom of the curve. we <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> looking yeah. back seems like the most sensible thing we could have done. Um, yeah, definitely. So we did this thing where we kind of bubbled the whole crew up and bought out a hotel and put everyone in there and shot this thing out in 15 days. So it's been pretty productive, really. But then, to be honest, it's not much different from normal my normal rhythm of my year. You know, if I'm not filming, I'm usually just indoors or. Or Mooching about so the actual lockdown itself it hasn't impacted me that much. it just means I've been going into down into Brighton list and having no cups of coffee in coffee shops, so that's yeah. me yeah
0: yeah well that's 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 not too damaging a difference, I guess obviously we're here to talk primarily about Rebecca, which I loved um I watched it yesterday um but it it struck me that there's a certain re- reflection between. Fiction and reality in it because it's a story about a, a young woman living in the shadow of a seemingly beloved woman that came b- b- before her, and the last person to adapt Rebecca was the beloved Alfred Hitchcock um, in in his Oscar winning uh, t- turn. And it's so, yeah. so, so did you relate to to Mrs. De Winter when making it and being in those sh- shadows and trying to approaching it? As yourself, I, I guess.
1: I did, but the but the thing that was casting a shadow over me wasn't Hitchcock; it was De Maurier. Yeah, that's what I was properly scared of it's not like i don't didn't think about hitchcock at all i thought about the and i thought about the responsibility of doing the book you know and and it's like as much as the film is beloved i think the book is probably more you know and and you know and more people have read it and it's in it and it's very present in people's lives you know and i think that the responsibility of that was if there would be anything that would kind of give me pause it would be that but I think the thing is about, I mean, I'm not really the kind of filmmaker that is, you know, I'd, it's difficult to answer questions when you, you think about, you know, what's your, what were your uh, influences or references or stuff? Because I don't really think like that. It's more like a kind of, I put myself in a situation of the experience of making the film. It's a reaction to what the, how the actors are performing, how the, how the camera is moving and in, in the space and being a filter for all those things. And that's my, more my process. So in terms of like, you, you know, not being a, a postmodern filmmaker who like watches loads of movies and then tries to break down the shots and put them back into other films i don't really that's not really me you know i mean obviously no. i watch my, my own stuff and go oh god that looks like something from that film i must have done that you know <laughs> subconsciously but it's not i was a thing gonna say a... it's
0: all in there subconsciously right it's all yeah. that you absorb naturally and that's going to influence your,
1: your yeah definitely approach on it all. but more on a granular level isn't it of like you've you've it's a lifetime of watching but it's not just films you know it's it's reading and it's comics and it's video games and and painting and and everything you know and then it all it all kind of is crushed down into the kind of um your experience and and then your own personal experience and then that's like squeezed out the other side as the film
0: yeah yeah i mean and again it is it's all that stuff that's exactly as you say that's there subconsciously and in small parts as soon as i got the idea of you as a filmmaker being in the sh- 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 in the shadow of a book, it made me think of Rock Hudson in Seconds. Yeah, one of my favourites, where he made that, and you kind of find out years l- later that it was reflecting. Although it's this weird sci-fi, it was reflecting his life at the time because he was. It's about someone or, or wanting to walk away from who you are and be anonymous and be a new h- human, and that was the life. It turns out he was kind of living in Hollywood at the time. So I love finding those those mirrors from reality to to the screen, and how that trans again how it translates subconsciously. I'm sure there's a good chance he wasn't thinking, "Oh, this is my moment to to tell my deepest darkest
1: secrets." But it's come through. I mean, I love Seconds. I remember seeing when I saw it the first time. I saw it completely blind. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And just that, the opening, or those massive wide-angle lens things at the start, it's like, whoa, 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 (laughs) what is this film? And it was such a mad rush. I won't say what happens in it, but it's such a mad rush seeing it and just not knowing where it was going or what was going to happen. exactly
0: the the same. I'd had it recommended by my brother. And he's, because I trust his film taste, it's always a, right, I'm not going to read anything about it or look into it, just yeah i'll put it on and it blew yeah.
1: my mind yeah it's a bit like i mean i very rarely have those film experiences and i, I think one of them for me was um evil dead 2 i saw that yeah. blind and i hadn't seen yeah. evil dead didn't know anything about it and went to see it i bumped off school and watched it in the cinema on my own and just <laughs> had, my, had the inside of my head scrubbed out and just walked yeah. out of the light going whoa 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 and then went back to school and said go go on." took dragged all my friends back to watch it yeah but yeah in profound you know it's like well, one minute you're one person and then 90 minutes later you're somebody else
0: <laughs> yeah <I'd, laughs> totally I'd, I'd, i had a really similar experience this this week i'm in canada at the moment sh- shooting a show and cinemas are open and safe and i love this i love the cinema experience so i was like i'll see what's on and there was a film on called possessor that i've never heard of it's a new film uh, brandon Cronenberg, I know, sure. yeah I, I didn't know anything about it Go and ahead. just went in and had that exact thing of like, oh, wow, this is a big thing. This is a big concept, a lot to take in. And I did the exact same, came out going like, oh, I've, I've been impacted. <laughs> so how, how do you feel as a filmmaker with the the need, an increasing need and, and, and pressure of trailers? Because it, 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 I avoid tra- a, a trailers for the ex- exact reason that you were saying there of, I had a few experiences of that impact of the less you know the better so I kind of in general I'll try and not watch trailers because I know I'm going to go and see half these films anyway but how do you are you, you feel on that choosing the amount that you have to or, think, or, or the viewer
1: be that have it a preview I guess I think it's it's the same as posters I know what a good poster looks like but yeah. do I know but do I know what a poster looks like that will get people to go and see a film that's a different thing. The thing, the poster really, I like on seen. my wall is not the same thing as the poster that you walk past in the tube station and go, oh, God, I'm going to go and see that, and you actually can yeah. go and see it. And I think it's the same with trailers. I think, obviously, they're, they're quite hard work in terms of giving away everything in the movie, but if it means more people go and see the film, it's worth it's a risk worth taking. So yeah. it's whether or not you get involved in – you step from – out of the art side of it into the commerce side of it. And as soon as you do that, you have a massive target on your back. So if you throw your weight around and go, I want the trailer to look like this, and then you do it like that and no one goes, that's on you. You know, you did that. Yeah. And um, just because you're a bit (laughs) sniffy about spoiling stuff in the film, you've guaranteed that no one went to see your movie. So I think that is, I, I keep out of it. I think the thing is now, what's interesting now, though, is that in terms of posters is that because it's less about the media spend Some of it is about you know sticking them on buses and putting all putting them all over the place, but you have like a primary poster which everyone agrees on that does that. But then you can have all these alt versions of the of the poster and alt communications which can go all different places. So on Rebecca, we've got the uh, Julian House has done a load of um, posters which look incredible, but the main posters are good as well. But Julian House ones I like a lot, and um, I think on field in England we did alt. I think there's three or four different trailers and they would just find their way out into the world, you know? So some of them yeah. are more obscure, some of them are like big quotes, trailers, and other ones are, you know, more, more traditional.
0: It's it's the beauty of, of social media now as, as well, as you can have those options and they will get to the right places. The people who will want a poster for on their wall will see the poster version. That's, that's not the kind of in the street, as said on the bus.
1: Yeah, exactly. Three, or three, three big heads, isn't it? Which is the, The classic,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly, and a big, big title. Um, You've jumped around a lot era-wise in in your career, but I think this was your first time, kind of in this thirties, quite um, glorious type era. How was that to to jump into that world?
1: Well, I'd been, I'd actually done a TV series called um, Strange Angel. I did three episodes that was an American show, and that was very close it was i think 1940 oh yes yes. from 39 to 41 or something like that so i that year weirdly i'd managed to 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 um shoot in that just exclusively in that period so it was good yeah. but um yeah no i loved it and it was one of the main reasons i took the, j- the job on rebecca was because i wanted to make a period thing i wanted to do i wanted to get into that glamorous kind of 30s stuff and i got a taste for it after high rise really i mean it was the that thing of like kind of zeroing in on it on a period and kind of uh, really feeling the detail of it. I, I thought that was uh, really interesting to do.
0: Yeah. It's, it's always mind blowing to me that I guess it's because of the whole, you know, each scene is framed by what came before and what came after, but there's some beautiful shots kind of in nature and at beaches and stuff like that. And they feel period. <laughs> Mm. I mean that they don't need to have I guess it's because of the way things are shot you don't need to always have these amazing outfits and 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 obviously the big house that comes into play but yeah I love that element of modern period films that you can still get the period despite not having all of the trappings somehow.
1: Yeah it's a weird thing isn't it of like how what makes things feel in the past and and sometimes it's it's how you shoot, and it's how, if you've picked up too many kind of um, stylings of the moment, you know, if they've got any too much modish movement in your camera yeah. or, or in your editing, then you could, then it suddenly feels like dress up or something that they're, that it's just, you know, you, but also sometimes it's people's faces, and they, I don't know what that's about, where you get people who are non period in their, in their looks, yeah. and just go, God, they're, they're someone from down the road in 2020. But, you know, I think it's very, it's the like same when you watch, 80s telly as well. Like the people don't look like that anymore. They they're very specifically <laughs> <I> <laughs> not
0: Yeah, that's that's com- completely bizarre so, so how was it on on the casting side of things? Because you're completely right. Both Lily and Army just lend themselves to that to that period and have that that look. So that must have been a
1: well. I think Army himself is like a kind of matinee idly type man out of time. You know, I mean, he's a he's a gorgeous hunk of a man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think I think that he he looks like you know he's he does look like a film star, which is what he is, of course. But it's kind of that side of it. It's that, but then knowing that he can like do the whole kind of collapse and the weakness and all the other side of it as well, you know. And that's the it was mm. kind of that's I felt like that was the half of what you know the the minxiness of Demaurier that what she was up to is that thing of going oh grab it, taking a a kind of an archetype of like a this kind of romantic character and then going, oh, you like that kind of stuff, do you? And then just destroying it, you know, and going, yeah. well, we'll follow this to the last, right to the end, you know, and the end of it is like, this character is completely corrupt and basically evil and horrible, you know, and a, and a murderer. Yeah. And you're still, and I'll still make you love him. And I'll basically ruin all um, romantic fiction for all time. You'll never be able to read another yeah. one, Mills and Boone book after this, you know, yeah. I think that's, uh, <laughs> that was, that was part of it, you know. It's
0: kind of the beauty of it in the writing is that as you're watching and trying to, f- figure it out it it goes in loads of the directions that you might be thinking is the worst it could go in yet somehow doesn't feel like it twists you mm. kind of go there and go all oh, right no this is and now as you say it doesn't turn anyone into the villain as such it makes everyone it just makes you understand people more which is is it's such a modern trait in writing to try and have believable and relatable Villains or or, or, or or characters along the whole spectrum. So it's it's what makes it so astounding from the time it was from. That yeah. it's not this simple. Oh, now we've, we're going to turn out that this person is good and that person is bad. You kind of have those things happen, but you don't have the feeling of good and evil as such. You have
1: well, a human well, feel. The other thing that she does is that she that the, the, the Moray turns you into a character as well. So there's Mm. there's good and bad in it but then you're good or bad depending on on your allegiances and what you feel as you watch you know so if you're like halfway halfway through going oh yeah i hope they get away with this and then you you have a little think about that afterwards and have a word with yourself about that you know and gonna go yeah oh i was really rooting for them who am i siding with (laughs) yeah that's not good you know (laughs) i thought that was that's very modern you know in that respect and that that kind of it's it's quite interesting like it's like a litmus paper when you talk to people about what they're who they're siding with and people going, oh God, Rebecca, she was so awful. You know, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that yeah. what you thought? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that your opinion? Um, how was it working with uh, Lily James on this? Because I thought her performance was great. Cause I think she's so, so naturally in previous performances, so naturally lovable and likable, but she had to play more of a stepped back, more of a uh, inside herself and meek, person particularly at the start of this and yeah I thought it was it was fantastic there for her to to get that how did you know she, she was r- right for it or 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 would get the performance
1: I guess it was free conversation you know I kind of I've met her met her several times and we talked about it and I think there's like a fine line between good directing and good casting, you know, and I, and I, and I know that I'm pretty good at casting. So I, I kind of, I, I felt that she would be able to do it. And that was it. And that's yeah. just a, chemi- a chemical, but that's not exactly a, a great leap of <laughs> prediction because no. she'd done loads of films. She was brilliant. So it's, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. I, you know, but I felt, you know, I just felt that she could. And I, and I, but the more it was the, you know, it's the plotting of that, um, that arc of, nervousness and anxiety and and how she deals with it across the movie. Because obviously, you know, as usual, the film's not shot in chronological order because just the, the production realities of it. So keeping track of that is hard, but also the idea of like, she has to maintain a level of it that is that she's not super strong. Otherwise she'd just leave or that she's not so weak that the audience run out of patience with her. So that kind of, keeping that kind of balance to make sure that that trajectory worked from her kind of climbing up and becoming becoming stronger over the movie was was something that we we sweated about a lot, you know.
0: Speaking of casting, um, how much resolve did it take to not cast the guy with the most period face in the world, Michael Smiley, a mutual friend of ours? Um, yeah, obviously, you worked with him an awful lot. And as soon as I saw a period piece, I thought, well, Smiley's got a pop-up. He's got the most period face of anyone i know um and then he didn't
1: no that's the, that's the shock that's the twist <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the big <laughs> twist that smiley isn't in it can't put him in everything you know no, it's like right. otherwise you won't you know it's a the smiley is a strong um flavor you don't want to you don't want to wear it out but, i completely um, agree <laughs> i don't know what where would you where would you stick him you know it's kind of I didn't want to put him as a servant in a in a um, English house. That felt like it was I'd be uh, in trouble if I did that.
0: <laughs> yeah, he yeah. might not take a well to it. I similarly with you on on lockdown. I got t- two s- scripts finished at the start of lockdown, and it's largely because a month or so before I had Smiley shouting in my f- face as to why I haven't got stuff done and why I'm waiting for other people to to give me permission or commission stuff and I was like yeah yep yeah, no perfectly valid point He's a very inspirational person t- uh, to have on side.
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I think I think it's true though it's like that that having that space I, know, I mean it's hard to talk about the lockdown stuff because you know that so many people have suffered horribly and it's been really really cool. but yeah. it's also you know I, I didn't mind having a bit of quiet for a bit mm. you know that was good and I got a lot of work done which was, you know Work I probably would have had to have done anyway during that period, but you know Yeah. Just just knuckling down and writing,
0: you know. Distilled and focused in that in that time. You can't escape it as such.
1: Yeah. That- but I didn't learn the keyboard. That was one of the things I was gonna try and do. Right. Which is a is, disaster you know is no. there
0: anything else on your list of, of what you had planned at the start? I've got mates who plan to learn to do a headstand who learn yeah. to cook all sorts of stuff and none of them have happened from what I have saying
1: no I lost I think I lost about a month to this game called factorio that was bad right um, I'm not
0: familiar with it
1: Well it's like a digital version of heroin basically and it, right. it, and it's very you right. it, it just never you just can't get out once you start doing it it's terrible yeah it's an organizing game. Right, <laughs> which I'm not very organised, and this is just like, just oh my god, it's all about like factories and like little um conveyor belts. I'm really it selling amazing. it hard.
0: <laughs> no, it's it sounds amazing, and I've just had the production I'm on pushed three weeks, so I'm I'm sat at home for three weeks in my airbnb so that could be the you could have just well, saved my my life
1: basically basically it's like fast forward so if you want to lose two hours you just put this thing on and go Whoa, and you're you're, exactly. you're you're basically pissing your life away you know i did a, i did a transatlantic <laughs> flight with it and uh literally i was uh, flight to la i got on the plane and turned this game on and then i i was there i, I heard the wheels going bop, 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 as we landed you know
0: I'm making a note of it on my phone now because that, <laughs> that, that sounds perfect. And so how did you find – because it it must be good to choose to um, pass on the on the amazing treat of the effect that flights have on film watching. I find if I watch a film on a plane, I'm more emotional. Yeah. Like there's films I wouldn't cry during, yet if I'm on a plane, it'll have me in bits. So well, look, my I'll flight time, it. my transit Atlantic flights tend to be – what films do I want to get the ultimate emotions from by putting on now?
1: Look, I cry at adverts, you know, so I'm I'm, I'm I'm an easy mark. But the the one that devastated me a few years ago was um, Red Turtle. Have you seen that?
0: I've not. I've got it on my on on my
1: watch list. Sobbing, get you sobbing, sobbing, and uh, I, yeah.
0: I thought you were going to uh, uh, tell me the advert that made you cry recently, but I genuinely the one where the old man is going up the stairs to his wife. And then, and then she's not there. Honestly, it's it's it gets me every time. Um, speaking of of you know, Smiley sh- shouting at me and saying you shouldn't wait for, for for permission from anyone. You are from Billericay, which is up the road from me in Essex. I'm, I've lived in Lee Hope my whole life, so I've got a load of friends in Billericay. It's not the kind of area that naturally says, "Oh, you can have a career in entertainment." Um, you're kind of more being yeah, groomed for other things. So, what was your route kind of to go in? Right, I want to, I want to make TV and films, and I'm going to. Uh,
1: a drawing, I always drew as a kid, and just drew and drew and drew, and obsessively drew comic strips and drew all the time, you know, nonstop. And I played a lot with action men. I think that's part that's got a big thing, like the kind of the idea of making stories up, and it's kind it kind of come out came out of that. But the drawing ends up as basically proto storyboards so i'm drawing like sequential storytelling and learning basically you know how to move a camera and what what shots are from through a pencil you know yeah and i think it always makes i always love hearing about that you know the the stories of you know know, you're given a a, a super eight camera by your dad and then you made movies as a child but it's just like (laughs) <laughs> Who are these people with all this money? You know, it's like we yeah. we didn't we didn't have any of that. So, but it took a long time. You know, it's kind of. I remember there was nothing at the school I went to, Bitterley, and then we went, then we moved to London in like 1982 or something, I think. And then there was it was, uh, and I went to uh, school in short Farm at I have a stock School, and yeah. then that that was like there was nothing really there either. So it wasn't until I was in my twenties before I got my hands on a camera. So it did take a long long time but it's weird you know i love
0: that though but you will have had the prep of 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 as you say dr- storyboarding
1: yeah well essentially I draw- thousands of pages of drawing yeah um yeah and and sto- making stories writing and then drawing the pictures which basically yeah. just turns into scripts later on yeah and storyboards so and i kind of it was like almost an innate like a need to, to make film during being at comprehensive school and i was just like going i i but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't you know? Didn't know where you would get the bits or what? And it was also abstract. You know that yeah. even the idea of like editing, I didn't have a clue what that was. I didn't yeah. know how the pictures got from cameras into the onto screens or, but, but it, which seems ridiculous now. But you, I think it's like there's no. There was literally no books on how to do it. Yeah, and and there was no obviously no internet or stuff. And the f- film school you can get into till you're 26, I think, which is the same still. So there was no film wow. courses or anything. You know. Yeah. But, you know, it's boo-hoo an old man remembers.
0: <laughs> but, again, there's there's, there's there's a beauty in that because it meant that when you could get your hands on all that stuff, as you said, you were really ready. You, you had so many – you'd thought it through so many times. You'd had so many ideas drawn out or planned out that you could go, right, let's get started now. Rather than you're 16 and you've got a camera and you're making awful – awful films um that, that you've not thought out at all but you can just press record it's digital so you don't have to worry about film you could just start going you know
1: yeah but There's i think but if that. you look if, if, if you look at the if you know i did i didn't you know down terrace was uh, a my first feature and and, I, and I, that was me trying to make a film before i was 40 so it yeah. did take a long it took a long time you know and so i went through a whole kind of thing of I went to art college and then learned but from there I learned how to edit and kind of then went into post-production and ended up as a as a runner and then tried to you know work my way up through that but it was another you know a good 10 years of that and kind of on the on the fringes of stuff kind of doing storyboarding and writing scripts yeah. and getting nowhere with stuff but I think it can be done I mean I meet lots of young people who've kind of who are who didn't have that kind of lost fifteen years that I had in between yeah. college and and doing and, and getting my ass together and doing stuff of stuff? But I think for me, I, I I couldn't have done it any quicker because I needed to grow up quite a lot, and I didn't. Yeah. And it took a long time to get myself, you know, to be taken seriously by anybody. You know,
0: yeah, that's fair enough. There's a, a one of the films I want to talk about a, a a little bit. I'll give a bit of a backstory on similar to. To you, l- lockdown didn't change my life massively because I spend a lot of time at home anyway if I'm not, if I'm not working. But one of my tr- traditions is on New Year's Eve, I always stay at home on my own. I pick a film l- l- long in advance. I pick my food in advance, and I just really lose myself in a film. The first year I did it, it was the Battle of Algiers, which just blew mm. me away. The second year was Kill List, and it blew oh. me away equally. <laughs> So, so that was, yeah, exactly. But that was the one that kind of seemed to get you really on people's radars and grab, grab people's attention. It seemed to be a hit in spite of it not necessarily being meant to be a hit as such. It felt like it got that cult following quite quickly. How was that to kind of, to work on and then to have the the praise and acclaim, I guess?
1: We were just all quite naive, you know, and we we'd made... I mean, when I say we. It's like um, Andy Stark, the producer, and Laurie Rose, DOP. Um, yes, everyone who worked on and Amy Jump, who'd worked, with, and Rob Hill, and you know all these people. Everyone had worked on Down Terrace, you know, which was only a few months before, you know, um, yeah. which was the first film that we just made in eight days, and and that had done far better than we thought it was going to do, and it got all awards and bits and bobs like that. So that kind of helped get this kill this thing made, and I just. I just didn't really know. I mean, Andy had been saying, "Oh, you should make a horror film. It's going to be an easier thing in terms of distribution." And like the the Down Terrace was a British crime film, which is about the most unpopular genre you could make <laughs> at that point, you know. Yeah. And you go, so, "Well, this time, okay, we did it and it worked. So why don't we just make a horror film?" So I, I basically sat down and tried to make something. What you know, wrote down the things that would scare me, and then and, and made it out of that. Work backwards from that. Wow! Love um, that. And I thought that that would be that's how you make horror films. I thought you know, and you make them as horrible as possible, and you just terrify people, and that's that's it. But it kind of wasn't what it was. You know, it was a, it was almost too horrible, or too scary, and too aggressive. You know, <laughs> and what 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 horror films are are more like is more like they're tropey and they kind of weirdly comforting. You know, because you know what the plot of it is you, you know yeah. what that story is so there's a whole side genre of horror which is more like comfort food that you're just going back for the same thing there's nothing wrong with it but it's just a thing you know yeah it has rules and 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 there was something just very aggressive about kill list i thought you know and, and i didn't really think about it at the time it just it was right like straight straight out from the id kind of thing i saw mm. it i hadn't seen it for years i saw it a couple of years ago and, and just i just couldn't believe how cross it was and like how aggressive. And, and bad temper, to, him, <laughs> and bad temper yeah. to the audience and all this stuff. So it wasn't, it, yeah. I mean, we just made it in a kind of, I think it was a three, uh, 15 day shoot, something like that. So super yeah. fast and amazing. Um, we're just getting to know, I mean, I, I kind of knew Michael because he, Michael Smiley, because he'd been in um, Down Terrace, but I didn't know him that well. And I, and I knew Mo, Neil Maskell and and Miana Buring from, um, from doing a show called, um, uh, the, the wrong door, door, right? Yeah, all of the, them were in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of met them through that, but but we were all getting to know each other. We didn't really know each other that that well, but it was like a like a super intense kind of period. And mm. but I think like for most of it, they thought they were making a comedy, you know, and and they, we, we were having such a good laugh. And then when we did all the the, the hammer sequence stuff, and then, I just remember everyone just looking at me like, oh, this is this is not what we thought. We were <laughs> what is this? This is horrible. This is really horrible. I'm like, oh. and then. Um, <laughs> And then, and then I remember cutting, finishing the edit of it, and like just or the, doing the first assemble cut. And I was sitting there with Rob Hill, and we watched it back, and and we were totally shocked by it, and had to go straight to the pub, and were just like a bit like, oh, well, what was that? That was really horrible. What the fuck was that? And uh, and happened? that and that was the experience of it for the rest of its run. You know, And I remember doing like it was, we did a screening for for film four. And and warp and I just remember them all, you know, in this like tiny little screening room, and then then just like halfway through it, people just turning their heads back to me, going, "What is this? What have you done?" I'm like, <laughs> "Sorry, guys." <laughs> yeah, well, it's a horror film, isn't it? And they're like, well, "Well, yeah," but it's really horrible. What have you, you know? So that that was interesting that that, that, that there could be an edge on how bad, you know, how, how how horrible things could be. I didn't really appreciate that up until that point.
0: Um, I, I... I love the idea of, of you were kind of getting to know um, Maskell and, and Mianna a, a bit more in, in, in the process of making it because cause Neil is – I worked with Neil – on I was, I was lucky enough the first time I was ever on on a set I was ever casting anything, I was with Neil. And he is someone that as soon as you meet him, he's not what you expected from your football factories and all that. He's one of the most well-considered and well-studied and articulate okay. – Analyzes of film and TV and, and theater and everything. And yeah, I can completely see how you'd kind of go. I don't know this guy w- well yet, but he needs to be in there. <laughs> He's perfect for this. Well, I,
1: re- I mean, I really liked him from the first time I met him and, I, and the same with Smiley and, and I've written the parts. I've written the, the other thing that made, kill list was this idea of like i wanted to make a film with them in you know and what yeah. are their relationship with all three of them what, what, how are they related i was like oh well she's it. probably married to him and he's probably the mate and oh yeah. how's it going to work and then I'd, I'd, I'd written a thing a treatment for something called get jakarta which was going to be Maskell going off to jakarta and causing all kinds of um <laughs> trouble obviously on a you know pun based scripts are never the best way to go but but that but a lot of the plot of that was ended up in kill list as well so that, yeah. with, with, when you introduced the, the smiley element to it and then but then they became really good friends afterwards as well you know the, yeah. so that was really lovely to see
0: S- start with the pun and then remove it Definitely, start with the yeah. pun as the genesis and then then don't let anyone know that it was a pun that started this yeah, yeah. Thing. Like oh no a, it was a, a, a moment of inspiration it wasn't a funny <laughs> sentence i thought of
1: yeah, or it was the same with Colin Euanus, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. the same, it's a similar thing. <laughs> yeah. I got talked yeah. out of that, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have been weak. I should have carried on with that as the title.
0: Or it was on the um, on 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 the clapperboard. Oh no,
1: yeah, it was it? right. It was, it was right up until the uh, the film was had its title put on it.
0: Because another person I want to talk about, because this is this is awkward to admit now, but uh, when I moved into acting, I, I made a list of people I want to work with, from actors to everyone else you're on the list but so is is Laurie Rose who I think is just his work is amazing and again part of it is I became exposed to through being a fan of your work but there's been so many things over the years that I've then looked and gone oh that's that's also Laurie (laughs) so how did that relationship come about and and maintain because you've you've as have you worked together on everything you've done or the bulk of
1: yeah most stuff yeah I mean it, it Basically what it was was that I'd been filming stuff with a DOP called Ben Joyner, who's a good, good mate. And he, um, and he brought this guy along who was like his, uh, he was acting as an assistant, but a grip or something and, and bits of bobs. And that was Laurie. And I didn't, we said, oh, oh, oh. and then years later I was doing another thing with, um, Ben and he, and he couldn't do it. And he said, Oh, I'm, I, my, my, uh, I know someone who can do it. So Laurie turned up to, to, to shoot some bits, little bits for BBC, uh, BBC, <laughs> Viral thing, and we got on all right. And then we basically—it's the
0: grip. I want to send me the grip from before. (laughs) What's
1: this guy doing (laughs) here? (laughs) And he—and then we back in the day when you know the Facebook wasn't like a horror show. We became Facebook (laughs) friends, and and um, he posted this thing going, "If you've got a script, and I've got a crew, I knew whose crew was. It was going to be Bobby Entwistle, the sound whose sound that I've been using working with for years anyway, and you know various other people. So. I went, yeah, I've got a script, and it was Down Terrace. But it was—he right. thought he was making a short film, but it was a feature. So that—that's how it happened, you know. And so, and it, it. And, and like the—you the, know—the the prep for Down Terrace was—you couldn't even get in the day before into the house. I think it was because Rob Hills who, who stars in it, his brother Dan was getting married. So they, him, and his dad, who's in the film as well, had all gone on a stag do the night before. And then they all turned up and then we got in that morning to film it. And then we had eight days to film it and just to smash through. So no one, we didn't really know each other. No one knew each other for that. I mean, I've known Rob for years, but Laurie and I didn't know each other at all. And it was such a, you know, that that whole making that film was such a rush, a mad experience. I think mainly due to drinking quite a lot of um, Red Bull, like Indonesian Red Bull or something that had turned up some (laughs) dodgy tray of it. So we're all a bit like. (laughs) Right milk. Yeah. And it was, uh, and then we, and then I edited it and I looked at it and went, God, this is really, really good. The camera works really good. And I kind yeah. of hadn't really appreciated what, what it was that he was doing at the time. Cause it was just like, get through it. And then that, and then it, then like same saying before, That's kind of, that's that the relationship started from there after, after Down Terrace was done.
0: So is, is, is that this, cause how does the relationship work from, from the, the starting point of, of putting a, a film together? Because obviously you, you, are an artist as well, and, and, and that's where you, as, as you said, you, you had your you for that. Is it you kind of storyboarding and planning it all out, or is it the two of you getting together and going, all right? how should we shoot this? How should this work?
1: It depends what it is. I mean, like, half the films are handheld and done yeah. in a doco dog style, so that's much more like, and, and done quick. So there there's kind yeah. of a certain amount of, you know, shorthand in terms of, um, I know that and I trust the kind of roving eye of of Laurie so I know that he's going to if I say oh I think it was like dealer's choice which is one where he just kind of roves around and shoots stuff and I know it's all yeah. going to be good and then there's like <laughs> there, there there's like um the the um hunting or or, or the panning too which is like backwards and forwards between watching yeah. what the action is and then and so we so a lot of the movies are done like that and then for preparation for that, that stuff we talk about mainly like the Maisel's documentaries and the kind of like how the seventies and sixties and seventies documentaries worked, where, where they where it's a little witnessing camera mark rather than a than a, a wobbly camera or a whipping camera. It's like a, yeah. a camera that just looks at stuff and kind of and is interested in what's going on, but it's not trying to cover. It's not trying to bounce back for the next bit of dialogue. It can drift back to. It. So it's that 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 kind of camera is, and it's something I've learned from doing um virals, which is that the camera operating is also a character, and that the. the yeah. How the camera moves is the, the, the cameraman and the operator needs to be talked to as if they were um, a performer rather than just a technician. So the, that. The, the soul of what they're doing is important. So that's like Down Terrace Kill, this sites It's in England. And then filled in England like, was the first film we had like a bit of dolly equipment. So we had a little bit of grip. So we, Laurie bought this thing off the internet that clipped onto a ladder. That was like a bit of a track. So, we had that was the first tracking shot, smooth tracking shot that we had. And then after that, it then becomes like the, the later films are more storyboarded. So, so no storyboards up to that point, And then everything is storyboarded from that point on.
0: That's fascinating. Um, you touched upon sightseers. How was it to go from kill list, which you've you've said yourself is, is, is horrible? Um, it's, it's, it's it's quite aggressive to the complete opposite of making a film about some serial killers that is just l- lovely. It's really nice. Everyone's pleasant and you don't have that. It's it's the complete counter of, of, of Kill List, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, I kind of got the job before Kill List was finished. so I got it on the back of Down Terrace. Right. And I knew that Kill List was going to be a bit it'd be heavy and that it needed an antidote to it. Otherwise, I'd be stuck making films that were really grim.
0: I you think Killers would have lost you the job if it had come out before *Sightseers*?
1: I know it lost me some other jobs for sure. Yeah, I mean oh, really? there, was other, there was other big comedy stuff that I didn't get because of it. Wow! And was told specifically. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, the star saw your film and said, "No fucking way!" Look so, what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but it was a it was a conscious decision. You know, I thought I need to do a comedy to balance this out. And then that's really the beginning of this kind of jumping about making lots of different types of films, kind of strategy that, that happened, you know, the first two were kind of, well, they were reaction down to to kill. This was a reaction back and forth between the, but, it, but after that, I was like, oh, I, it, it, it makes more sense to kind of seek out. And it, certainly, if you're setting up your own productions, then why wouldn't you do stuff that was stretching you and going as far as yeah. and different as possible?
0: Cause that. I- that comes across as well. Again, like when high rise was uh, announced or when I saw the trailers, I was like, Oh wow, this doesn't feel like what I know a Bed Wheatley film to be. So how is that to kind of particularly a film like that, that was so clean looking and so, and, and, and so slick. And again, the beauty of a concept that restricts you to one building is, is yeah. so much fun. W- what made you go there next? I guess.
1: We'd been developing a lot of different stuff and I, I think it was as mad as I, like, I was sitting in the front room, and I saw it on the shelf, and I just pulled it off the shelf and went, "Why? Whoa! whoa this hasn't been made. That's weird." And then I think, <laughs> yeah. then I phoned, I phoned my agent, and I said, well, Who's got the rights to it?" And he went, "Jeremy Thomas." And I think within two days, I was talking to Jeremy Thomas about it. It happened wow. really fast. It went really, really quick, and then it just got financed really quick as well. That's amazing. Yeah, it was really mad. And I, I went to. I remember going to see Jeremy with Amy. He went, and you know, there was the. the we were chatting about it, and and she went, "Look, I'll write the script for it, but I don't want to be paid. And if 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 you make the film, then pay me. If you don't, then that's it." And it was just mad. And he's like, Ooh. "And so she did it like wow. that, and just delivered this script, the final, you know, done, and it allowed it. It kind of just cut through everything. So it meant that the." It wasn't like a. It didn't go into a load of development. It just was a thing. that yeah. Just a big lump of thing that was done straight away.
0: Yeah. Make um, it or don't make it.
1: Yeah, that's thing. yeah. And she
0: Rather said, "I don't on and off."
1: Yeah, she said, "I don't want money for stuff I haven't done. So I'll do it. I don't want bits of drips of drabs of money. I just want that you. I'll do it and you pay me for it. And that's how it's going to yeah. work. Which I I was I thought was pretty bold. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. You know?
0: I love that. So, uh, I mean, it, it. It leads naturally on, on now. How was it then going on, on to Free Fire? Because that was one... Was that the first uh, uh, time you worked with Army? Yeah. I'm guessing. Um, and Brie Larson, obviously amazing in there, and Killian Murphy. How was that? Because, again, it's, it's another one that as soon as you see the trailer, you know it's just got that feel. It's just some great characters all in a big situation, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's something I've been thinking about for a long time that kind of procedural like close quarters um combat stuff and i I don't know why i've been thinking about it i think it maybe is to do with video games i've been playing a lot of counter-strike and stuff Uh, and when i started reading up on like on and i did some research years ago it was a script that i'd been that i was um working with rob hill on and we'd we'd kind of found this this transcript of like a, a shootout um and it was like a pathology kind of description of a shootout that had happened in miami and it was really fascinating you're like i'm reading, going oh god it it's very messy it's not like a you know it's no epiphany but it's not it's not like it is in hollywood movies it's, it's much yeah.
0: and it's not over in two minutes as it is no, in hollywood movies
1: no any any and, and and people will miss at point blank they will yeah. point guns at people and not be able to hit them on fire hundreds Constantly. of rounds and not 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 hit people and people you know it'll just go on and on and on and and then I was like well there's something in that that feels like it's like a chess game um yeah and I, and it and and it was a film I wanted to see so then I'd, i off my own back I just wrote a, a script that based around it around that idea um and it's almost like a the idea was like a movie that you know the the real film would have been you know like a, a caper movie with Brie Larson and um Army Hammer um, being beautiful all over Boston, driving around and stuff, but it, they never get out of the the first scene because basically Sam Riley screws it all up. Yeah, you know? so, and that's it. And then they just drag down into the mud, and then it's just never gonna, it's never gonna end. And I and I thought that that really tickled me. So that's kind, of, that was kind of the genesis of it. And then that was like massively storyboarded and worked out and drilled, drill, drilled down into. But um, but I was lucky because I managed to shoot it around the corner from my house, so I was very really happy about that.
0: Oh, perfect! I, yeah. I, I I love the idea of of coming up with a film that's essentially l- looking at kind of um, a Melville type kind of gangstery thing or whatever, and going, but how about if we never make it past the first scene? That first yeah. scene that always starts that gives you your 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 lead or your villainous character, or when they just kill someone in the shadows. So, like, how about if that went wrong and then <laughs> the rest of yeah. the film is thrown away and we just yeah. go right? Let's let's go there.
1: Yeah. What do you do? And like. And it was also that idea of I'd felt for a long time of like how your life goes from like being massive, you know, your whole life is you're sitting here now and you're thinking about your future and all the things you're going to do. But, but, sometimes your life becomes really tiny and yeah. reduces right down to nothing, you know, and it might be that you're choking on something. You're going, oh, oh, oh God, I can't believe this yeah. is it. I can't believe it. Or, the, or you're really drunk and you're going, oh, just, "I just fucking just crawl over here and go to sleep. And, and that's your whole, that's every, that's your story at that point. And I thought that yeah. was, was what happens in this, in, in, in Free Fire, that it's their lie, their ambitions become telescope down to nothing, which is just to yeah. get from one, from behind one bit of cover to the next and hopefully survive the next 90 minutes
0: about a month ago now my oven broke and it was amazing how that became my whole life that was all that <laughs> oh i had so much going on at the time and so many things i'm trying to prepare and then all of a sudden i was like i can't cook food yeah <laughs> and it was
1: exactly well, that as i like, now this is all that my life is Or well, for me it's like, like slightly lower lumber pain <laughs> Yeah, exactly. like before, I'm like, whoa, I'm living my best life, and then I'm like, oh god, I feel like I'm a thousand years old, and this this thing is never going to go away, you know?
0: Yeah, I love it. So, I mean, I'll start to, to wrap things up as we're getting close to our time. Before I get to the usual kind of what's next, um, what draws you to work with people repeatedly? Because there's there's a lot of people. Um, I was looking through, I was, or I was noticing on on Rebecca. Keely Hawes was in High Rise, and then, as I said, there's been numerous smiley maskle, burin type combinations. Um, yeah, or what is it that makes you go, is it when you're writing, it's easy to go, well, that's Smiley. I can write easier if I've got Smiley there, or if I've got this person there, or Army, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, some of it is, like, in my daydreams, if I'm thinking up a film or I'm thinking about a film and I'm wandering around, I can audition them in my head, you know, and kind of... Or sometimes it's the mixture of those people. What are those people like together? Yeah, or or, or it's that you know that there's all sorts of stuff that they can do for you that will be great, and and you can pre- you can because you're friendly, but you know them well. You can push them in directions that they wouldn't necessarily get cast for normally, you know. And certainly, I felt like that with Sam Riley. You know, I, I think I'd use him for any anything, yeah. you know, and that there'd be he'd give, give a brilliant performance or whatever he was doing, and I, and I think that. But also, I like the weird tendril connection sometimes between the movies, like the key Keely Hawes being in Rebecca makes me think that she's the mother of the character in high rise, you know, and that yeah. that, that they would have moved, you know, that it does actually fit together. If you look at it like that uh, or yeah. Maskell yeah, yeah, Maskell yeah. turning up in, in high rise was literally the father of the character that he plays in kill list. Yeah. But I can't believe it's the only bit I wrote on the whole script, which isn't even officially writing. I just added it in. And then when he got when it got back to the edit suite and Amy so he said what the fuck is that I'm like well it's just the line where he says he goes cut it (laughs) out so that that all got cut (laughs) you know but um yeah
0: I love that so 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 what is ahead as you may have 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 realised I'm I'm an IMDB nerd and addict and there's been things like Freak Shift is one I've been keeping my eye on because it just sounds bonkers and, and and fun what is the plan going ahead or what can you talk
1: about plans wise well imdb is interesting because there's so much to on my yeah. imdb which is like i don't know i never half of it i never put up like the I amount was, of times
0: what's... i've i've hit my agents up and, and, and Freight shift is an example that again keep an eye out if this starts coming up for casting and stuff like that and they're like we don't know anything about this i don't know if this is a thing like it's yeah, been on just, there for eight years you know let me put my emails through and then ignore me
1: i like the what's <laughs> in yeah. my system the Steve Coogan story, which I've got a co-directing credit yeah. on, which I, I directed like two sketches with um, Vic and Bob for for something, and then that, that's that. right. Or the Bur- Virgin Way feature, which <laughs> is Tony Tony <laughs> Way. It's like a pilot I did with Tony years ago. Like, it's like not feature film. It's just like five sketches or something that we shot like uh, fifteen years ago. But yeah, it is is interesting. All that stuff. Yeah, so I'm I'm basically cutting this horror film. Really, that's the next thing I'm going to do. Amazing, and then and then we'll see as the as the as COVID clears what how, what the state of things are for the more studio-y stuff in the new year. You know, so I don't really know. It's kind of everything's a bit. I mean, certainly for films which are like jumping about all over the place, it, it, you know, it's harder for them to get back up on their feet than, yeah, than exactly. stuff just one location or, or whatever. So,
0: oh, that's what I was going to say. Was the horror film, because from what you said earlier, it sounds like it's all in one house kind of thing, and it's all was that? Cons- no, it's, it's outside.
1: Not? It's all outdoors. It's outside, oh, all
0: outdoors, right? So, so was yeah. that conceived ahead of the pandemic, or was it something that
1: you no, started it's a direct, direct reaction to it? Yeah.
0: Oh wow, that's fantastic.
1: So it's it's with all that thinking, you know, kind of thinking about what what we might what state we might all be in by the time we come out the other side and and what and the reaction but it was weird like even writing it and kind of seeing the news moving and going oh now it's out of date and then going oh now it's back in date again <laughs> what's yeah, going
0: on will it be
1: again. will it it's similar to what happened with colin bursters you know we kind of had spent six months going oh maybe they'll sort brexit out <laughs> and ruin this yeah. film you know oh no they haven't thank god <laughs> <laughs> there's no worry of that <laughs> so uh yeah i mean uh, is it, i like that stuff i like that i think that with the current technology you can make stuff that's that's immediate in a way that um the cinema hasn't kind of managed to do over the years you know usually it's yeah. two, and that's the the drag is basically distribution usually because it's like it's a two-year or a year and a half wait before stuff mm-hmm. comes out but there could be a more like prop like cinema if we wanted it you know you could be yeah. you know I, I remember when we did colin Bursted, we we shot it in January, it was finished in February. So it could have yeah. been, it could have been out in March and it would have been like ripped from the pages of the newspaper, you could do that. Um, yeah, completely. But hopefully that's something that will happen in the future. I think.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how cinemas recover and move on anyway, because it's, the reason they've had to close is because of the reliance of blockbusters. As, as cinema world have turned around and said, it's because the Bond film has been pushed back, and we're now closing. So hopefully there will be a, a, a wider spread, I guess, of, of cinemas who are relying on independent films, on on smaller films, on on mid level productions, rather than simply we need we're we're going to open because 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 Tenet's out, and then we're going to close again until Bond comes out. <laughs> it's kind of is that yeah, but- a cinema or or. Uh, just one screen.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or it's, or it's that thing of like, a lot of it is about, um, all the money gets made on the coffee and the cake and the beers, you know, the, yeah. that, the tickets, like a lost leader in a lot of respects, I think sometimes, yeah, you know, completely. certainly, certainly for indie cinema. It's like, that's the, when you actually having, having made a lot of movies that have been in cinemas and seen the tickets, <laughs> seen the returns, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, it's, it, yeah, it, it, that there's something there that is that, that's slightly broken, and I don't know. But I think it needs. I think the whole thing is built out of. Um, it, it could be built from one movie. I think like a lot of rep is built out of Eraserhead. You know, yeah. without a razorhead, you don't get any. You know, that the fact that it played at midnight's and then played and played and played and played. It's a whole industry's based on that in a way. And, that, mm-hmm. and but we need that movie. What is it going to be? And I don't know where that's coming from and who's making it. You know, who's who's the who's going to be the next Lynch or the next you know, who's going to make the next Evil Dead that will will bring people specifically to the cinema.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's it's been a pleasure. Thank you, man. been listening to Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces there we go that was Mr Wheatley I hope you enjoyed it um the game he recommended in there Factorio I gotta warn you I lost a weekend to it already I I I was chatting to him a couple of days after after we recorded to get the exact because I thought I think I repeated it as as Factorium but it's Factoria or Factorio (laughs) I'm not helping am I but yeah, he warned me it was an addictive one. And ye gods, is it an addictive one? It's good fun, though. As I said, that was Bill Wheatley. Go and check out Rebecca and other guests that are mentioned in there on in the back catalogue. We've had loads of good people. Tom Davis, I think. He's in Free Fire. So I think we talked about him. I can't remember. I can't remember if that was on or off air. But yeah, loads of good people. Have a good listen. And tune in next week for the Blame Brothers. The, the first brother duo I've had on since the Safdie brothers, another great pair of directors. They were on the week before Robert Eggers, who's also an amazing director. So, yeah, I will see you all next week. Thank you for tuning in. Stay safe. Have a good one.